please let me know if you cannot hear me properly because my sound has been giving me issues. So please, if you could just, somebody could just unmute or just raise your hand to say, yes, we can hear you. That would be great before I continue. Yes, yes. I can hear you. Excellent. Hear you. Thank you, thank you, guys. Excellent. Thank you. Um, like I said, it's a pleasure to be here this morning. It's a pleasure to share God's word. I hope you are well. You have had a blessed week and you've everything has been going well for you. I really do pray that this morning that as I share that the Lord speaks to you through the word and the Lord imparts his spiritual blessings upon you. I will pray. Father Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Father God, that you will speak to each one of us. We thank you, Father God, that your word, Father God, will bring light, Father God, to our paths. Father God, we pray, oh God, that as your word comes, Father God, that it will reveal, Father God, you, Father God, and we will draw closer to you, O oh God. We pray, O oh God, that your word, Father God, will help us, O oh God, in our journey with you. Daddy God, open our eyes through the word, Father God, and draw us closer to you and to serve you even more with joy in our hearts. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, this morning, um, guys, I am going to continue my preaching on the story of Gideon. God sees much deeper. And this is part two. I ministered this. This must have been before Christmas. And I'm going back to part two this morning. So just um, a bit of a recap. Gideon's um, story helps us in our faith. Um, to build our faith with God and it, it helps us to believe in the things that God is speaking to us about when we go into his story and it helps us to see ourselves the way God sees us as what happened with Gideon because Gideon saw himself a different way to how God saw him when God called him a man um, of valor he was a bit surprised because that's not where he was Okay, like Gideon, we have to um, work hard. I know I've had to do that, work really hard, um, seeking the Lord's face for me to see myself the way he sees me, the things that he has spoken over me. And at times when it comes to us, as with Gideon, it's a bit of a surprise and it's a battle because of where you've come from to see yourself um, that way. Okay, so God saw his end he didn't see his beginning and it's not how we start it's how we finish a bit of background on what i shared last week so we started off with judges chapter six and we see that the israelites they had turned away from god they were returning as the bible says to their evil ways in the sight of the of the lord they were worshiping other gods that they shouldn't have been doing because they were living amongst the um, Canaanites and the um, Hittites, the, the Amorites and um, so on, they were adopting their ways. But God told them, do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. They also were marrying their children, um, which God did not want them to, go, to um, do. But this new generation of the children of Israel, they had not witnessed what God had done. They had not um, seen, they did not remember what God had done for their forefathers. So for them, you know, they felt that they were doing the right thing. 
because of how they were living, God was not happy. Okay, he didn't want them to um, marry into the families of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the um, Amorites. He wanted them to stay separate. He did not want them to mix. And because of this, because they were mixing, because they were not following what God wanted them to do, God therefore handed them over. He delivered them into the hands of the Midianites for seven years, as I said last time. And as a result of this, the Midianites, they took everything from Israel. Israel became greatly impoverished as a result of this. The Israelites did what they would normally do. Um, they um, went crying to God for help because they were so oppressed by the Midianites. And in answer to God, sorry, in answer to um, their prayers, God raised Gideon to help and deliver them from the hands of the Midianites. Obviously, as I said, at this time, Gideon, he did not feel that he was, he was qualified for this job. He didn't feel that he was ready. Okay, but working with God and trusting in God, being obedient to what God was telling him to do, he was able to fulfill the plans that God had for him and for the children of um, Israel to rescue them from the hands of the Midianites. Then I went on to talk about the lessons that we learned from Gideon. The first one I talked about was that God sees us far beyond what we see. So God sees far beyond what we see. When we first met Gideon, he was threshing wheat in the wine press, um, and this was to keep it, to hide it from the, the Midianites. And normally you would thresh wheat in the open outside, so that the wind could blow away the chaff, but he was hidden in the wine press whilst he was doing this. And when God approached him and spoke to him, he didn't think that he was worthy. He didn't think that he was relevant. He didn't feel that he was important or significant. Or significant. He felt that because he had come from a poor family and he was the least in his family, as it says in Judges 6, 15, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. But the moment he said that, the Lord, the Lord immediately spoke to him and said, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So the moment he felt weak, oh Lord, I can't, you know, how can I do this? You know, he was, he was um, giving God all the negatives, all the, all the reasons why he couldn't do. God then told him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. You know, God assured him. Because God saw far beyond what Gideon saw himself. And I'm sure some of us, we found ourselves there whereby, you know, we do not see ourselves the way God sees us. And we're sometimes surprised when he tells us how we are, when he tells us about ourselves, when he tells us all those lovely things about ourselves. And we're thinking, me, Lord, you know. OK, so this is where I stopped. And I'm going to continue with lessons learned from Gideon's story. And the next one that I'm going to talk about is Gideon was obedient, irregardless of the consequences. OK, what do I mean by this? I'm going to read from Judges chapter six, verse 25 to 27. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. 
then build a proper kind of altar to your to to the Lord your God on the top of this height. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at nighttime rather than in the daytime. The Asherah pole and Baal, the, um, sorry, I've finished reading. So the, the Asherah pole that he was told to um, cut down and the Baal temple that he was told to destroy, these are pagan um, deities that the children of Israel had adopted from the Amorites, the Hittites, and God was not happy with them to do this. So he wanted the root of the issue to be destroyed. Now Gideon knew that by doing this, he would get himself into trouble. But who was more important, listening to God or listening to what man was saying to him? He was obedient to what God wanted him to do. So he did just that. Gideon wanted to destroy the altar. Um, so God wanted Gideon to destroy this altar. And he did just that because God had spoken to him. He didn't tweak it like some of us you do. I put my hands up. I've been there how many times God tells me to do one thing and I'm tweaking his plan. Okay, Lord, you told me to do this, but yeah, okay. But he was obedient to what God wanted him to do. He did exactly as he wanted him to do. How many of us has God spoken to us and he tells us to do one thing and we're going and we're doing another thing, you know? In this day and age, how many of us are willing to stand up for the things that he's speaking to us about? You know, we're very conscious of what other people might think, you know? Um, we, you know, if God is speaking to us at our workplaces to do a certain thing, to go and say something, I've been there quite a few times at my workplace, you know, God maybe may say, oh, why don't you pray for this person? And I kind of like, oh, okay, Lord, you want me to pray for this person? They're going to look at me like, what's wrong with this lady? You want to pray for me? It's just fear of that rejection and fear of what they might say. And I battled with that for a while. Um, but there was a day I remember at work and they were talking, they all know that I'm a Christian and they were talking about, um, I can't remember what it was. And I actually spoke from a Christian angle and they just all looked at me like, oh, and I thought to myself, Lord, I really thank you for helping me. And I was obedient in doing what you wanted me to do, because we find that when we're obedient to what he wants us to do, we're not tweaking his plan. We're doing exactly what he wants us to do. Things flow. The rejection, sometimes you feel that you might get, doesn't even happen. Because why? Because God is the one that's telling you, okay? He sees the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen. So if he's telling us to do something, as he told Gideon to go and destroy the um, Baal altar and the Asherah pole, if he's telling us to do something, it is told him to do that. We just need to just say, okay, Lord, I will. You know, just respond to him. Because Gideon knew what would happen, the consequences for him destroying the altar and the pole, he knew that it would not be good. And we see this in Judges chapter 6, verse 30. The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring your son, he must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Gideon knew the consequences, but his father in heaven 
has given him instruction and that's all he wants to do. Just follow what God has told him to do. And because God has told him to do it, like I said, God will plan everything out. God will make sure that everything falls into place because he's obedient. He's not tweaking the plan. He's not thinking, you know, I can do it like this. Oh, yeah, let me, you know, move it like this. But no, he's following what he wants them to do. Even now with my children, um, there are times that I tell them to do something and they would tweak and I say to them, no, because I'm trying to train them. I'm trying to discipline them into being obedient. Obedience doesn't tweak. Obedience follow. And that's exactly what he wants to do. He wants us to be obedient. He wants us to follow what he wants us to do. When Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins to be forgiven. He, you know, the, 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 the song that we sing says, he perfectly followed the plan. He didn't tweak it. He perfectly followed the plan. And, you know, I think sometimes if he hadn't perfectly followed that plan, where would we be today? you know and sometimes when I think about that you know it humbles me and I and I just have to ask the Lord to forgive me where I haven't followed his plan where I haven't been obedient to the things that he's speaking to me to do you know I've changed it to suit my benefits I've changed it to suit me you know God you know wakes me up to pray in the morning oh God yeah I will pray this time no he's asking me to do it this time he's asking me to do it this way so i just really pray and encourage us that we will perfectly follow god's plan joshua 1 chapter 9 says have i not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go whatever he's asking us to do he is with us wherever we go he has asked us, he's gone ahead of us, he is with us, so he will make sure that everything works out well. The second lesson um, that I'm going to bring to you today is God works with a little that we have and makes something great with it. How amazing is that? The little that we have, he makes something great with it. When Gideon started off, um, to go and battle against his enemies. He started off with 32,000 men. He's thinking, yes, this is great. I've got 32,000 men. But in comparison to the, um, mid, um, to the Midianites, they had 135,000 men. Whether or not he knew this, I don't know. But he's happy he's got 32,000 men. He started off with that. And then God throws a plan out in the works. We read this in Judges chapter 7, verse 2 to 8. God, okay, before I read it, let me just say the reason why God reduced it is because he, he was saying to Gideon that the, the um, children of Israel will think that they won the battle out of their own efforts and it wasn't God that did it so just to make it just so that they would actually see that this was God 
reduce the number drastically. Okay, so that's Judges chapter 7, verse 2 to 8 that I'm going to read. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands. Or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall go with you, he shall not go. So if I say, then if I say this one shall not go with you, then he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a, as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Can you imagine? From 32,000, it was whittled down to 10,000. Okay, 10,000, it's not too bad. Still quite a number of people. And then it was reduced further to 300 men. As I said, the Midianites had 135 men. Sorry, 135,000 men. There's no comparison. Absolutely no comparison. And you think to yourself, oh my goodness, Gideon's obviously thinking, how am I going to get through this? You know, but the Lord has done this, so I just have to follow. He was just following what God um, was asking him to do. God basically created an impossible situation of human weakness, but this was to exalt his own strength to show that I am God, for the children of Israel not to think things are done in their own strength. Sometimes we do things and we're thinking, oh, was that me doing it or was that the Lord that was doing it? So that there is no doubt, there was absolutely no doubt he had to whittle down the number. In Luke 18 verse 27, it says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And this is something that we have to remember. The little that we have, God can use it. God can use it. If a situation seems impossible, God can make that situation possible. Because through him, all things are possible. So we have to realise that in order to accomplish God's purposes, it doesn't come by how much money we have. 
It doesn't come by the size of our congregation. It doesn't come by the qualifications that we have, whether we have a PhD, whether we have a, a um, bachelor's um, honor degree, whether we have a master's, it doesn't come by these things. It doesn't come by how much we structure ourselves, the efficiency of our plans. It does not come by that at all. But what does it come by? It comes by us depending on God, relying upon him, trusting in him, knowing that he is the author and finisher of our faith, knowing that he is the I am, knowing that all things are possible through him. It comes by him who makes it happen. He who makes the impossible possible. Absolutely. If there are things that you're thinking, oh, this is an impossible situation. Read Gideon's story. Know that God can make the impossible possible for where you're at. As a result of Gideon following what God wanted him to do, they won the battle. And how did they win the battle? With torches, with jars, with trumpets. Are they weapons? No. But that's how they won the battle. It was very strange, but this is how God did it for them. A battle that seemed impossible, God made it possible. And as a result, um, the children of Israel, their prayers were answered. They were no longer oppressed by the Midianites at that point. And that is following what God wanted them to do. God showed us his power. He uses the little that we have to produce unbelievable results. And through, through this, we know and we acknowledge that he is our Yahweh. He is the I am. Thank you, Jesus. In Psalms 86, verse 9 to 10, we see all the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord, and they will bring they will bring glory to your name. And that's exactly what happened here and happens when we see that God has done the impossible for us. We bring glory to his name. We worship him even more. Our relationship is drawn closer to him. Our relationship is increased. It deepens because we see that he has done the impossible for us. He has made the impossible happen. Amen. Amen. Okay. The next one is lesson that I'm going to share is let God rule your life and not man. Let God rule your life and not man. After Gideon won the battle um, that they fought, there was victory in the camp. Everyone knew that he had done this. Word had spread through that he went up against the Midianites with that amount of men and they won the battle. He was like a superstar amongst the children of Israel. They saw what he had done. 
and they were very enlightened. And this was their response to him. And this is in Judges chapter 8, verse 22. Judges chapter 8, verse 22. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. What Gideon saw was that Gideon hearing this, actually, he probably would have thought, hmm, this is nice. Let me bask in this glory for a while. You know, pride could have set in, but no, that's not how he felt. His response was this, and this is in the next verse. So Judges chapter eight, now verse 23. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Gideon then realized something which the children of Israelites hadn't realized. He then realized the problem with the children of Israelites is this. They were looking to man. And this is the cycle that they had been for a while. They were looking to man and not looking to God. God has brought a victory through Gideon. Gideon was simply the vessel. God has brought a victory through Gideon. But rather than praising God, honouring God, they were looking to Gideon. Let God rule your hearts and not man. When things happen, let us praise his name, for he is the one who has done it for us. The children of Israelites had lost their faith sorry, they had lost sight of the one that had made things happen for them. They have lived their life by sight and not by faith. They were looking to what was happening as opposed to believing in the things that God has for them and God will do for them. So the problem comes when we put our trust and our confidence in man rather than in God. So rightfully so, Gideon was not filled with glory thinking yes i've done this i've done this no he realized what the problem was and he said to them no i won't rule my son won't, won't rule over you but let god rule your hearts and not man and sometimes we find ourselves in this situation where we're looking to man and not god we're looking to the things that man has for us as opposed to looking that God is using this man as a, simply as a vessel, as an instrument to help us, but all things come from him. He should be the center of our lives. So it's allowing him to rule 100% in us. The next one is God uses tough times to get our attention. I'm sure most of us have been in this situation. God uses tough times to get our attention. When we start in Judges chapter 6, we find that the um, nation of Israel, they were coming off a time where things were relatively easy, things were going well for them, um, so everything was fine. 
they were self-sufficient and they didn't seem to need God. They had become quite complacent living amongst the Canaanites, the marrying, intermarrying um, their children, something that God did not want them to do. Sometimes we lose sight of things that we're supposed to do. We become complacent when everything's going well, we become a bit complacent, you know, and we're not seeking God the way we should be seeking God. So the Lord then decided to shake things up. He then decided to use the, Mid the, the Midianites to oppress them. Verse one said that the, Israel, the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the things they were doing, you know, um, was not good in God's eyes. It was sinful. Worshipping Baal gods, doing the things that the, um, the, um, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, they were doing. It wasn't how God wanted them to live. But they could not see this. And there are times when we go through life, we'd, we're doing things and we don't realise, oh, we shouldn't really be doing this. Because we're not in that zone. We've lost sight of where we should be. The Midianites came and they oppressed the Israelites. Greatly oppressed them. Every year around the harvest time, the Midianites would invade Israel. And this is why we found Gideon hiding in the wine press rather than being out in the open because he did not want to be seen. He did not want to be located. He didn't want his crops to be taken. Verse five um, in Judges chapter six tells us that they would come in like locusts ra ravaging the land. What they couldn't carry with them, they destroyed. It was a really horrific time for the children of Israelites, for the children of Israel. And this went on for seven years. And finally, they cried out to the Lord for help. So this is how God got their attention, by bringing something their way that they would have to cry out to him. Why did they wait so long? And sometimes we do this. <coughs> seven years before they said lord lord before they became desperate to help you know in jeremiah chapter um jeremiah um chapter 29 verse 13 i think it is it says that when we seek god with all our heart we will find him and when we find him he will remove us from captivity now when we are desperate when we are absolutely desperate, we seek him with all our heart. We hear from him. And that's the point that they got to. And that is what God wanted for them. That is what God wanted for them. He wanted them to cry out to him. He wanted them to acknowledge who he was because they were doing their own thing. And as a result of that, God raised Gideon to go and help them. Proverbs chapter three, verse 11 to 12 says, do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline, verse 12, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father, the son, he delights in. God loves us. 
He doesn't discipline us out of hatred. He disciplines us out of love because he loves us. He wants us to stay close to him. He wants us to know that he is, he wants us to know that he is there for us and we need to seek his face. We, we need to um, chase after him. And as we do that, we will get to see more and more of him. He longs for us to be, to make him the center of our lives. The next one is God encourages us during our times of weakness. Judges chapter 7 verse 9 to 15. During that night the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp because I am going to give it into your hands. And if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all of the other Eastern people had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no, could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Verse 13. Gideon arrived just as the man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Verse 15. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into our hands. God knew Gideon was scared, so he encouraged him. We can identify with this situation, we're going through things, you know, we're doing the things that the Lord has spoken to us about. But as we're doing them, we're, we're feeling a bit scared. You know, doubts may be rushing through your head, you know, and you're feeling a bit insecure, feeling a bit shaky. But you're following what God is telling you to do because the Lord has spoken. But it still doesn't stop you from feeling mm, a bit shaky. And God puts something your way or presents somebody to you to encourage you. And that's exactly what God did for Gideon. Um, Gideon. He told him to go to the camp, to listen. Well, he didn't tell him to listen, but when he got there, he realized what it was he was listening to. Hearing that the Lord has delivered the Midianites camp into their hands, that greatly encouraged his heart. He just literally just filled him with more strength and determination to go and fight the Midianite because he knew that God was with him. He knew before, but he was even more encouraged that God was with him. I remember when I was 
um, I applied for a job. This was in November. It was, I think it was the yeah, end November. And um, this was a job that I didn't realize at the time, but I had had a dream about me leaving my department, moving on to another department. And the Lord showed me in a dream that I was leaving. And when this job came on months later, um, I just felt in my spirit that, yes, I should go for this job. Um, and then when I, <laughs> I went into work one day, I hadn't actually applied yet. Um, we had days to apply and I hadn't actually applied it. And then somebody said, and all along I was, I, I knew that, okay, Lord, I am going to apply. Lord, I, I know that this job is for me. I know that you've spoken to me. You've showed me in a dream and so on and so forth. And so I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do it. Went into work one day and then one of my colleagues was saying to somebody else who was going to apply, oh, you were just made for this job. This job is just you personified. This is just you. And I was like, okay. And doubt started going through my head thinking, this woman, she is more qualified than me, you know. Um, she's got the qualifications and so on and so forth. And there was a bit of uh, doubt thinking, mm, I was still going to blah, but you're doubting me thinking, okay. And then the day went on and I was going to um, cover a class. I work in a school. I was going to cover a class. And this woman that I, I speak to her sometimes, but nothing major, she literally just rushed up to me and she was saying, have you applied for this job? You need to apply for this job. This job is for you. You really need to apply for this job. It's so for you. The moment she started talking, I knew this was God encouraging me. I knew this was God just securing me in how I was feeling. Because <laughs> after I actually went for the interview and I did get the job, I saw the woman, did she even look at me? No. So I knew that God has intercepted to not for me to start to feel doubt, but for me to know that he is with me all the way. And that's exactly what God did for um, Gideon in this situation. He intercepted for him because he's, he's got 300 men compared to 135,000 men. He's got 300 men. So even though he knew God was with, with him, he was still a bit shaky and God wanted to encourage him. And that's what God does for us sometimes. In moments of weakness, he encourages us so that we will be strengthened, you know, and I pray that this morning, you know, that if you ever doubt him, what God is doing in your life, that you will be strengthened by his word. You will be strengthened by his word. Amen. Just a couple of other things before I close that I wanted to share that through this story, we see that God calls leaders from unlikely settings. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your education. God, if God has called you to be a leader, God has called you, okay, to serve in a particular way. We need to embrace it. Gideon felt that he was unworthy to actually um, see the, um, go against the Midianites because he felt... Um, that he was from a poor family and he was the least in his family. His father was an idol worshipper. You know, he didn't really have much of a formal education. But look at what he went on to do. He became an effective leader. An effective leader. He, what, he, we don't need eloquence. We don't need um, certain things that we feel we need. All we need is God. We just need his direction. We need his presence with us. The other thing that I wanted to share is that 
God prefers to have dedicated and disciplined disciples. A few of them, rather than a multitude of uncommitted workers. We just need to have the heart to serve him. The ears to hear what he's saying and the mouth to speak as he instructs us. To be obedient, to trust him and obey. Just do as he's asking us to do. Be in obedience. That's all he needs. So if there are a few of us that are there, God will work with us. He will work with that handful. Also, God uses ordinary things to accomplish his purpose. In the story of Gideon, torches, trumpets, empty jars. Wow. We're going into a battle. Torches, jars, trumpets. But this is God. This is God. So I'm asking you today, what do you have that God can use? He can use your hands to make things for people, to do things. <clears throat> he can use our feet for us to go to places. He can use whatever we have, whatever little we have. Have. Sometimes we look at these things and we just think, ah, it's not really much. But God can use it. We just need to just surrender it to him. Sometimes the, the little that we have, we sometimes belittle it thinking, oh, it's only a little. I know that I do that and I have to put my hands up and I have to say, Lord, forgive me for doing that because... It's wrong. The little that we have, God can use it. And as he uses it, it will continue. We will, conti we will start then to have bigger things that God can use. But the little that we have, God can start to use that. Thank you. I'm going to pray now. Pray for God to help us to trust him, to obey him as he speaks to us. Help us to look to him. Strengthen us. Father, Lord, we come before you this morning and we just want to thank you. We just want to praise you, oh Lord. Father God, we pray, oh God, that you will help us, oh God, in our walk with you. Help us, Father God, to, for us to see ourselves the way you see us, Father God. Help us, oh God, to be obedient regardless of the consequences, Father God. Father God, we're praying, oh God, that you will help us, Father God, to be directed by you. Father God, we thank you. Your word tells us in Proverbs 16, 9, that man's plans his, man plans his ways, but you direct our steps. Father God, help us, oh God, to surrender all so that we can allow you to direct our steps. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.